2: What is up on a Thursday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast. We've got Buchanan in his usual midweek slot. A little bit different uh, than we will have normal game week this week because of the uh, Monday press conference, the lack of the quarterback decision pushed Weldon and I to Monday, Buchanan and I to Wednesday night. But uh, this will be a weekly thing. As I mentioned a couple times, we talked the quarterback competition, the uh, hot topic of debate right now. A lack of uh, traction in it as we uh, enter game week, looked around the SEC at quarterback play, and Buchanan had an incredible uh, recruiting story regarding uh, Bobby Petrino in Arkansas at the tail end, if you uh, stick around for the whole thing. So it's going to be a great show. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. Before we get to that, though, and before we get to the ads, by the time you're listening to this, or maybe closely after the time you listen to this, I'm not sure what the publishing schedule is, uh, I have a story up on rebelgrove.com about Jackson Dart, uh, one of the two guys in the quarterback competition with Luke Altmeier, and um, how perception doesn't really meet reality with the kid. Um, he's had an interesting path to Ole Miss. I feel like a lot of people consider him like a California guy. In reality, he grew up in like rural Utah into a devoutly Mormon family, has never lost a quarterback battle, and is really just a kid looking for an opportunity for stability and to be appreciated. So, anyway, I talked to his uh, father for quite a bit a couple weeks ago, and uh, wrote kind of a longer-form thing on the human interest side of it. Really has nothing to do with him being named the starter here; just more so his unique path to Ole Miss, and that how he's not really your prototypical transfer. And I feel like that gets lost in the whole Jackson dart discussion at times. So go check that out. If you're so inclined, it's uh, free up on the site. Um, it is a longer story. I'll warn you there, but uh, hopefully worth your time. So anyway, uh, we got that up on the site as we uh, get ready to kick off football season. Before we get to the show though, wanted to remind you the podcast brought to you by Mims insurance. Matt Mims is an independent insurance agent based in Oxford. You need to hit him up for all of your insurance needs. Everything's expensive right now. Inflation's high. Gas is expensive. Groceries are expensive. When it comes to getting things insured, you don't want to leave money on the table there. The insuring process can be overwhelming. You don't know which provider to go with. You don't know what type of coverage to get. You don't know what's the best deal and what's not. Take all of that away by just calling Matt Mims at 601-218-7854 and let him handle it for you. He's an independent agent based in Oxford. Whatever you need insured, whether it's a house, a car, a boat, congrats on the boat, that's pretty sick. Um, I don't know, life insurance, whatever you need, he can get it done for you. He shops your quote around to 10 different agencies, and his entire job is to make sure you get the best possible rate for whatever it is you need insured. So his only goal here is to listen to what you need. He'll shop it around and bring it back to you, and boom, the process is over. There's no hassle. He's taking care of the legwork for you. Check him out there. I wouldn't send you anyone I don't trust. Matt Mims has been a good friend of mine for a long time. Anywhere in the state of Mississippi, he's based in Oxford, but anywhere across the Magnolia State that you need insured, he can help you out no problem. Check him out there, Mims Insurance, at 601 218 7854. That's his personal cell. He's going to pick up and he's going to make all of your insurance needs easy and painless. Check him out. Matt Mims there in Oxford. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Ran into the guys at Skybox over the weekend. They crushed it in week zero. They gave the week zero picks away for free. You hope you took advantage of that. Now, once you have, go buy a picks package as football season gets cranked up. Go buy the season pass. For NFL and college, I'd recommend just going along with a uh, Skybox full year pass. I didn't even do the traditional ad intro. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Major criminal and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. This is a disaster of an ad read, but you know it's not Skybox making any money. They're gonna have a picks package to fit your price range, whatever sport you like, however long you want to do it—a week, a month, a day, a season. You go all sports. Whatever it is, go check them out on the site. They're going to have something that fits your price range, and they're going to lead you to profit more consistently than your own brain. This is the bankroll season. You got everything ready to go. This is going to be the year you finally profit. If you go off your own knowledge, that's probably not going to be the case. If you use Skybox, they're going to actually lead you to profit, and you're going to get to the end of the year and be like, wow, that was awesome having that amount of supplementary income. Big week for Skybox last week. Had a lot of guys reaching out about the promo code use promo code Rippy r-i-p-p-e-e that'll get you 20 percent off any purchase glad to have those guys on board skybox sportspicks.com all right here is ryan buchanan all right we now welcome on jackson prep hall of famer uh ryan buchanan old miss quarterback i don't actually know if you're in the hall of fame if you're not you should be but i told you i was going to run out of these pretty quick uh, we're at game week um Ole Miss taking on Troy on Saturday. Football's back. We got a little palate cleanser for week zero last week. Wouldn't say it was a great slate of games, but, you know, it was football on. Um, how you feeling on your end? What's been happening?
3: Yeah, uh, it was good to see football back. Uh, I was actually up in Oxford last week, uh, getting out of the Jackson floodwaters for a little bit, thinking I didn't know how high it would be if it would take over our parking lot or not so i went up to oxford and it was nice to see some football on at funkies regardless of who it was so it's good to see football back
2: yeah you had as just tradition holds nebraska just completely pee down their leg they decided to run an onside kick against northwestern because they didn't want to give northwestern the ball back when they were nursing a lead uh to add another weird element to it that game was played in dublin ireland um I saw on the on I saw on Twitter that at that game wherever they're playing at that Irish Stadium in true Irish fashion apparently like the the kiosk credit card like system went down with all the cash registers and they just said to hell with it all this booze is free until we get this no way so <laughs> <laughs> the lines are just out of control which uh that just christened <laughs> in the football season nicely and then you had Vanderbilt put up sixty three points on a team with, you know, 11 players in matching uniforms. I didn't know that was capable. I think Hawaii's going to struggle this year, um, to say the least. Yeah, I think but so. Vanderbilt actually looked like they had some guys. You know, they had a little bit of SEC speed. I went back and watched a little bit of that game. It, was, uh, it wasn't it was awful. So we got football back. It's game week for the Ole Miss Rebels. I think the news um, of this week is that there is no news at the quarterback position. I got to say, I thought Lane might name a starter on Monday – it wouldn't have stunned me if he had kind of waited until Wednesday, maybe, and just kind of typical lane fashion, yeah. even if he knows who his guy is at first. But we'll start with the Monday aspect of it. I my guess was if he didn't name it on Monday, he still knew who the guy was. But uh that wasn't really the case at all. He act they actually had Luke Altmyer and Jackson Dart come out and speak to the media afterward. And of course, if they had just been, you know told who was started or not they media relations would have not had that happen. So like, it seemed that they didn't know on Monday. Um, and, you know, we go through Wednesday, he has the teleconference. There's no news. I guess we'll start there. Or you, uh, what's it, what do you figure it's like going into a game week, not knowing and then kind of having to face the media five days before a game, like talking about, you know, the potential of either starting or not starting. I imagine that's pretty difficult to do while also preparing for a game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, look, I I do think that. Well, from what it sounds like, I mean, I'm not sure it's one guy hasn't stood out, or both guys are making some mistakes that's holding Lane back. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I really don't feel comfortable going with one guy, and you know, obviously the depth chart was released with the you know (laughs) Jackson or Luke kind of kind of situation, but. I mean, look, like, I mean, he very well could be saying that, look, guys, I'm going to let both of you go at it this game. I mean, I'm going to, you know, whoever takes first reps, the fans may go crazy for whoever it is. And all of a sudden they go down, score a touchdown, next guy's going in. And then it's like, wait a second, I guess we're still figuring this out. And really, I mean, it's, look, that's just kind of weird to test a quarterback competition in a game. Like even if it's Troy or whoever, some, you know, but like, I, it's still it's still kind of crazy to think that, but um, he's still maybe trying to figure it out. I mean, maybe guys are just kind of not making mistakes or not making plays and turning the ball over, and it's like, I really don't feel comfortable naming somebody, not just because he's trying to be politically correct, but he really may not know.
2: Yeah, I think you're right on that, and I, I pitched this theory to Weldon on Sunday, and here's what I think happened. Neil reported on... Sunday I believe that Jackson Dart took a lot of the first team reps on Saturday during the scrimmage or maybe it was the Friday before he was taking a little bit more of the first team okay. reps. while it was close to the media it sounded like Dart was giving an opportunity or given an opportunity to kind of take a little bit more of the first team reps they go into that scrimmage on Saturday and Kevin talked about the scrimmage on Saturday as, as if he was kind of frustrated with both guys and that's that's been the theme throughout camp aside from right after that second scrimmage he kind of shed a little bit of a positive light and was kind of like, actually for the first time, I feel like we're in a good place with both guys. He didn't really tip his hand one way or another, but he did say after that second one, which I would have guessed, I guess that'd been last weekend, the weekend before last, um, that he actually felt good about it. This past one was kind of back to the same. And so my theory, I don't know this for a fact, I'm just guessing here. My theory is that Dart, maybe it's slightly separated, maybe had a little bit of the better camp and he wanted to give Dart the opportunity to, solidify it or maybe remove all doubt in kiffin's mind Mm. and it doesn't sound like that happened on saturday during the scrimmage and so that led to the monday press conference where kiffin says you know i know you guys may not believe me but like i don't we we really still don't know and then of course the two both kids come out and talk afterward which you know i tended to believe lane even just watching the video from the way he made it sound um because you can kind of tell when he's bsing sometimes and when he's actually being genuine But if there was any removing any doubt in that aspect, both guys coming out afterward, definitely removed all doubt there. And so I think that might have been what happened, you know, for a guy that's been in, you know, preseason scrimmages and all that and been in a quarterback battle. Do you think that's something that could have happened? Do you think that's common between two guys that are a little bit even? Maybe they gave one guy an opportunity. and He didn't take it because it sure sounds like that may be what happened.
3: I mean, Brian Scott, that's exactly what I think. I mean, if, once you started leading that off and kind of put that situation up right there, I, I was thinking back back in my head, I bet that's it. I mean, if one guy gets an opportunity to go at the woods, and and I, look, you can – if a guy drops a ball or drops a touchdown, Look, well, yeah, you may not – on paper, it may say you did not score, but it, the coaches are there, right? You make the right read. You make a perfect throw that – I don't care. We're still giving them first-team reps. You would have to do something – Pretty bad. I mean, you would have to take a negative play, fumble the ball in the pocket, take a sack when you're not supposed to, you know, throw a, a bad pick, not a one on one situation, you know, miss coverage tight pick or pick six when a corner's breaking on the ball. You just make a terrible read. You know, something's yeah. gotta be like, gosh, this gives me some reservations that it'll be it would put our team I wouldn't say in jeopardy. When I say jeopardy, like, man, defense is rolling, playing really good. If we had three three and outs in a row, like we don't or or if you go up, it may hurt, you know, we have momentum and then we can't score in the red zone. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's something like that too. And that's so that really does make the most sense to me.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a weird dynamic, right? Because at the same time, if you did have a slight lean towards a guy, and I get the fact that they're fresh off of scrimmage, they're talking to us before they practice again, that there is some doubt in the mind. But I feel like the devil's advocate to that would be. Well, what is actually going to happen in a game week prep that's going to make you change your mind and lean the other guy, right? Like, do you, yeah. is there a lot you can do during a game week to change someone's mind like that? And
3: no, not- I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's, it really has to be a scrimmage. You really, right. and then game week, like your positions break off to learn their defensive scheme, to learn their blocking schemes, to learn the running backs, quarterbacks connection. You know, you don't have a line doing that. I mean, during a game week, you would have, you know, we would call it red ball in a sense. We would have a two-minute drills that kind of maybe the third, you know, part of practice getting going. Then we break off, and at the very end, you know, we may do some seven-on-seven. Like, it was – you really have to put in your game plan for the whole team. You can't put the whole team here on a scrimmage when you're trying to prep for, you know, a game week. So, I, I think if that's the situation, they're letting both guys learn that game plan, and they're going to go with both guys this weekend, I I would be shocked. Let's say Jackson takes the first snaps and he just plays an entire half and Luke doesn't go in or vice versa. In this situation, I'd be shocked that happens.
2: Yeah. And that's the, that's the weird part about it is too, is like Kevin makes a note on Monday, you know, uh, Neil actually asked him the question. He said, you know, at, at this point, if you're not naming a starter, are you open to the idea of playing, you know, both guys in the first game? And I believe his answer was something to the effect of, I don't want to do that. Now, does that mean he's not going to do it? Or did he answer that he's opposed to doing it and we aren't going to do it? Of course not. But he just said, I would prefer not to do that. We would, you know, we'd like to go with the guy, give him the bulk of the first team reps, really for all the reasons that you've outlined on this show throughout the preseason, right? It's very hard to do the back and forth thing, but it sounds like you're almost approaching a point where like you might not have a choice because as as you pointed out, and I was actually going to ask you about this too, when you get into game week, it's not only what can you like, what can there actually be done to change someone's mind, quarterback battle wise. You're not practicing yourselves anymore. Like it doesn't matter if it's Troy or anyone. Yeah, you right. To get into that right. game week mode of prepping, like you just outlined. So the whole like him versus him for a position battle, that seemed to go out the wayside because. Yes, Ole Miss should beat the hell out of Troy, but they are a Sunbelt school. This is not them playing Central Arkansas or Lamar or something, right? I mean, mm-hmm. look, if something yeah. gets real weird, like you could enter a close game in the fourth quarter and be like, oh, my God, you got to do your homework and you have to prep. So I'm just curious, like, what could change? And it's an impossible question to answer. And I just wonder if that's where we're headed or my other alternative. And again, this is just guessing based on the hypothesis that we just kind of you know brought into the fold here is the fact that it probably still ends up being Dart, but because of what happened on Saturday, Kiffin was not ready to just say, yep, it's him, because it was kind of a bad taste in his mouth. Don't you think that's probably the other possibility where it still ends up being him, but he wasn't ready yeah. to say it on Monday just because like, he wasn't great on Saturday. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, and that that very well could be, I mean, you're, you're talking to the press right after that. That very well could be the case. I, I think that's the case. I mean, I, I think they're going to give him opportunities. So. And look, if he takes it, and my gosh you call the right play you call the right slow go i mean heck you could do a swing route with you, all you do is just throw the to a running back to the side and the coaches made a, a perfect call on it and he runs 60 yards it's like great i went 60 yards through the air and one touchdown and a little swing pass like but you it, say like we score and it's like no matter what you're winning you're scoring great like you know if a wide receiver breaks open and he hits something that's just wide open it's like okay like no matter what like okay we're gonna roll with him like Pretty much I'm waiting for that to happen, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, look, I mean, I, and this has nothing on Luke. It well could be Luke. I I, I don't know. I've, I really have no idea. But, but, like you mentioned in earlier weeks, um, you know, Jackson has a lot of upside. And ha- definitely he's a bigger guy. He has more athleticism to him than Luke. Um, so, I mean, maybe he likes that aspect of having that too in his play calling. So maybe he sees that and he's just given an opportunity to say, you know what, just take care of the ball, make right decisions in a sense, like, don't have terrible screw ups and we'll roll with you. And that might have happened Saturday, but if it you know, this past uh, scrimmage weekend or two weeks ago, but if it goes right Saturday, then like, OK, hey, we're going forward. Do you think just
2: as someone who's been in that situation before, whether you're we'll start with Dart, if you're Dart and you you know, I mean, that guy can read the writing on the wall. Like he's been around the football program before he knows what's going on. If he's kind of given, say the upper hand going into that Saturday, do you think your mentality would change at all going into that and being like, this is kind of, I won't call it a final exam, but like, Hey, if I nailed this, this could be, this could be it in terms of, you know, winning the job out of camp. If you were in that position and they kind of, you know, say we slightly leaned your way versus the other guy going into a late August scrimmage before game week. Would that change anything you did, even if you tried not to?
3: I mean, I think it should. I mean, there's either you're going to have one or two thoughts. It's either going to be like, I better not screw this. And this is a lot of things in life. Like, either I better not screw this up so I can keep this, or, all right, sweet, I got their confidence. Like, I'm going to go out and play the game that I know, and I'm going to absolutely show them and put, you know, no doubt, in anyone's mind. I'm the guy here, and I, like that would kind of give me when you kind of put out that situation. If that was me going to the first week, I'd be like, "All right, we're we're going down and scoring, and I'm not. We're not letting up the pedal. I got all my ones with you know my first team with me. We're playing a team that's probably not as strong as an SEC team. Like I'm just going to go out and just be, and be more confident knowing that they're running with you. I would say, and I feel like that would be like a positive mentality change of what you're saying, like. If he does get that, he knows that the coaches are in his corner. Like, I'm going to – you just feel a little bit more free. And, again, like, I think with our scheming and play calling versus a team like Troy, it's going to put him in situations to where he's going to have open guys. You know, just the thing is, like, in a situation – first and second down or like what I'm saying is like take your medicine when you're supposed yeah. to that will lead the coaches are watching every single you know play and watching the defense of what to call it next like take your medicine and then when the opportunity is there like go strike because they're going to give you an opportunity they're going to draw up a good play to have that wide receiver on a one-on-one or so, you know, something's going to be open and then strike right then but don't try to feel like man I got to First play, let me have a pull read. I'm gonna pull it and try to see what I can get. When, man, I should have just hand that off. Got a four yard gain. Or just try. Don't try to do too much when it's not the time to strike. You know, and like you do know those plays. Like if you have an RPO and you're reading the safety and you know he's biting down into the boundary, you know you're out. You're in. If you have a three by one, your receiver is winning every single time on the inside. That's like we would have play like that. That could be a 20 yard pass play, but it's a run play. But, like, you know, man, this guy's biting. They call it again. Like, I'm absolutely going to rip this. Like, now is the time to take it. May not do it the first time, the second time, but the third time, like, I'm going to strike dead. And I think he has that mentality of, like, it's not playing scared. It's just also playing smart and playing confident.
2: Yeah. And I'm glad you said that and went there because I'll throw like the opposite scenario at you is, and again, this is me just kind of spitballing and throwing out an idea. I don't know anything. I certainly don't pretend to know what Lane Kiffin and them were thinking. But I almost wonder, obviously, what's been the whole kind of narrative throughout this camp is that they're trying to hone Dart in and quit getting him to take so many unnecessary risks, and they're trying to get Luke to push the football down the field. Mm-hmm. I wonder if part of it, if they did indeed kind of give up, give Dart the upper hand or more first-team reps on Friday and Saturday, I wonder once he did that, if he just continued to go balls to the wall and they're like, Jesus, this kid's a maniac. He will not stop throwing it in tight windows down the field. Like, this yeah. kid has not reined it in at all. Whereas, like, the inverse of that is, you know, if you kind of put Luke, say, perceived behind the eight ball for a day or two, does he start taking more shots? You know what I mean? That could be their thinking, but on yeah. that part piece of it, I, I wonder if that's what happened where he still gets kind of a hint that, hey, you get more first team reps today and he's still just guns a all the time, not taking your medicine like you described it. I just wonder if like they kind of flipped it on him for a second and they actually finally brought the inverse out of each guy, but not in the way they were hoping for, if that makes any sense.
3: Yeah. I mean, I I think how you play the game and how you play the position is still going to be there. I don't think that's going to change. They may say take some more shots, but like, I just remember watching Matt. I mean, you throw a swing pass, you do, you know, a a run play or, you know, may hand it off. And then, you know, you may not see a deep ball down, you know, go down the field, but every five to six plays or, and then all of a sudden you see one over the top. That's just an absolutely beautiful bomb. Like, I think you just have to run the offense like it's supposed to be run, and I think Luke will do that. I, look, I I really don't know. I mean, I I do think that's the case. And again, we're just guessing. I really don't know anything either, but it just makes the most sense. Like, hey, Jackson, it's not saying be scared to play football, but just know when to show your really good abilities at the right time. Because if your run game's clicking, and we I remember back when we played under Freeze, like when our run game was on, we played Mississippi State in 2014 Egg Bowl, yeah. and we had, we had over 200 rushing yards on the ground. I mean, it was, it was crazy, and we put in a new formation, a new play, and a new set to run that, and it was working great. Like, why have a 40-yard pop of a run to go throw an interception? I mean, that's kind of, like, a quarterback doesn't, you that's in that's the sense of, like, being smart. You got something working, so, like, I think of, Jackson if that was the problem or what held him back if he can just realize let me just I don't have to be the hero every single down but you know that every couple plays that will definitely come in a sense and, and then then he can strike
2: that 2014 game you guys were kind of beat to shit in the receiving core right and on defense as well yeah. like, I remember that was you know that was one of the better wins of the freeze area and honest era excuse me and honest to god one of the better wins in Ole Miss history because of kind of what you guys were working with that game, I remember that LSU and 13 comes to mind when Ritter makes the kick. And then that game is just kind of a gutty effort because I mean, people have a short memory. There's a decent chance Mississippi state ends up as the fourth college football playoff team. If they win that game, that's 11 and one, they don't win the West who the hell knows they were fourth going into the week. That was a really good, but speaking to the game plan aspect of it, you're right. Like, you know, y'all had healthy running backs. I don't remember what you had left on the offensive line at that point, but clearly the running game was working. Like you don't need to throw the ball 25 yards down the field if something's working. And so and they're both young kids right they're both 19 years old mm-hmm. at that point Bo Wallace is a 22 23 year old senior yeah
3: Bo was old I mean he was big Bo was probably 225 pounds 230 yeah like he's been starting, he's, he's been like smart, seen right. a lot of you know been right. in
2: a lot of wars and probably understands that aspect of it maybe a little better than two 19 year old kids that feel like they have to prove themselves
3: hmm yeah no I think i think that's i think that's very true and and look there's they're I'm not saying they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves but you know, they want to win this really bad, each of them. I mean, Jackson transferred from California. He's a California kid coming all the way to Mississippi. He's like, I did all this just to not even start. I mean, that's that's a pretty big decision. And Luke, you know, came here out of high school and, and wants to be here. And it, so it is it is a big deal to them. But uh, you will definitely get more comfortable. Man, once you have a game, you get in rhythm and you have a good game, then you start making good decisions. You just have to, like, practice is so – tough to show out and show what you can actually do um again like for all the different reasons I've laid out earlier but getting the confidence of a game plan of going against a team that doesn't know your plays and doesn't know your sets and everything like once you have that one game underneath you then you'll start seeing the way the player the quarterback can really, really play I feel like
2: yeah and kind of the last thing on this just more from the human aspect of it is if you were in this situation. Are you – obviously, you know, when you go – I've asked you a million times, like, the quarterback battle through camp, right? Camp's a grind. It's football all day, all the time. They're spending much of their day in the facility. It's just football, football, meetings, football. Well, now they're two weeks into class, and it's gaming. Mm -hmm. Students are back on campus. You know, whether they're online – you know, I was joking with Broker on, like, the Broker show I do for Portner uh, about going to class and campus. He's like, I'm basically online, bro. Like, I don't walk through campus a ton. But still, (laughs) the routine of going to class and all that – are you, if you were in their guy's shoes, like, are you, I don't want to say not sleeping at night, but like, how are you feeling like just even like when you're back at your house or in your dorm or wherever these kids are living at nighttime where there's, you've got school, you've got game week and your future is still undecided. Like, do you think it would hard up uh, to be a uh, mess? Like, I just wonder what your mindset would be. That's so much on someone's mental plate. I can't imagine having all of that. Demise. I mean,
3: I would think about it like, all throughout class, seven. all throughout the day. I mean, it's just like and, and driving in your car, or like you wake up in the morning, you're th- you're thinking like I got to do this at practice. Like nothing, it's just tunnel vision. Like I got to win this. I, I got to win this. Like I got to know this. And it's just, I mean, you're not thinking much about class, even though it's a different scenery. It's still the same thing. Like you wake up, you go to football class. Just happens to be thrown in between, you know, workouts and and practice in the afternoon. But yeah, that's definitely the case. I would say, you know, in this time period to fight for a starting position.
2: Yeah. I just can't imagine like, you know, they're both 19 true sophomores or red shirt freshmen or whatever they are. But second year of college, I just can't imagine being like, you know, I got to go sit in FedEx and learn count two from some schmuck in a t-shirt when I'm like fighting for my livelihood over here on the football field yeah I, I mean like, of... I,
3: I mean, I'll be—I could care less I mean I'm thinking about the plays I'm thinking about what I did at practice the day before like how did I mean I just remember like all right I'm, I messed that up like I'm gonna do this differently today I'm gonna get this ball out quicker Trey or Cody Pruitt was doing this you know I remember yesterday when I get my chance today when we go in there like I'm gonna I'm gonna do like this is all you think about yeah
2: yeah and like I imagine when it, if it's going into game week thinking like that like, you know, in camp you have all day to whether it's meetings or practice or whatever Mm -hmm. to be around the coaching staff and whatever you want to call it, make an impression. It feels like you know, they got that whatever the 20 hour a week rule or whatever it is when camp starts. The amount of time you're around the staff and around the other guys and just the general amount of time to prove yourself as a quarterback and as a leader is limited too, which I would imagine just would like add to the anxiety. But hell, I guess why, you know, the American NFL quarterbacks wired a little bit differently than your average Joe. And I feel like this probably puts a test to that as much as anything they'll do on the field. Just the mental capacity to be able to juggle so many things on top of talking to media—that would kind of suck too. I wouldn't want to answer yeah. questions from someone <laughs> like me. Like that would suck as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it's like, cause you, I mean, when you're in the NFL, it's your job. You're right. confident in your abilities. You did it all throughout college. It's just like, man, I just go out and I, I know what I can do. You just you do it here. It's like, man, if I don't start, and you know, like Chad. I mean, in a sense, like you know, Chad came in and <laughs> we were really, really good off the bat. I mean, had an unbelievable year, Um, you know, boom, like that's kind of the situation. I mean, but look, at the end of the day, like it all comes back to the transfer portal. Yeah, like you want to start, but you're not, you're not stuck there. You're not stuck there behind somebody else if they come back. Like it's not, and then all of a sudden, you know, once the guy comes back and started and had a nine, 10 win season, like they're obviously going to start absolutely no matter what. And you know, like you're kind of done, but like for the transfer portal, I'm not saying guys are thinking about this, but like, your career is not over. It's just beginning somewhere else. And I, I feel like
2: <clears throat> yeah, you're exactly right. Particularly for Luke, right? Like, I right. know he doesn't think about it because, you know, Jackson's used the one free one, but like, you know, there's a still, I imagine there's still ways around that, whether it's grad transfer or even yeah, just getting out a year type of thing. But to your point, Luke's probably not thinking about that on a daily basis, but in his like subconscious, in the back of his mind, it is not the end of the world. Whenever that decision gets made, like, you know what I mean? It won't end.
3: Right. No, I, I don't it think it is either. It right. made
2: it like, as you pointed out smartly a couple of times, it's not even the end of the competition in some ways, like the other kids still got to go do it. And so that's what makes yeah. it fascinating to wrap this piece of it up. If it is a guy and they're not doing the two quarterback thing, as we record this on a Wednesday night, just from someone that's been in a football locker room, been around the team and all that, someone if there is a guy the team knows by Wednesday night don't you think I feel like if there is a guy don't you think it would be hard as hell to go into the Thursday and Friday walkthrough not telling the team
3: uh I feel like on thir- you know your Thursday walk through they'll, they'll know who takes first team reps I, I look I'll be honest like the defensive line they don't know or don't really care who's starting to be honest and it's not their problem it's like they're worrying about their own thing like they know right. <clears throat> whoever it was to chatter me like like I know what you can do. Like I feel confident you can go win. Like whoever the coaches decide for whatever reason, like we're still going to be really good. And I, they probably think the same thing about those two guys. Like they're not too terribly worried about it. Cause there's not going <clears> to, <throat> we would have already known a starter if some guy couldn't do anything. Right. I mean, they've right. been around Luke for a long time. And if Jackson was just not good for some odd reason, like they would, we would know that already. So like, they probably don't care. And they may not even know, to be honest, like, the coaches just don't may not tell the team that's all i'm saying and they'll keep that until you know we go through film on friday night and you do some walkthroughs friday obviously no pads like before you travel and stuff just walking through the game plans and when they see that whoever may be taking those reps then like yeah he'll probably start but i still think most guys understand i mean you grow up around football like you don't know what could happen i mean and, and they'll be happy with whoever starts I just don't think they came into their position meeting rooms and said, Hey, don't tell the media, don't tell everybody, but Jackson Dart's gonna start like oh, 100%. that's not the case. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that would honestly that would just be like cruel, particularly for a college. Yeah, like, yeah. Go talk to this yeah. go talk to the media and lie. Like that would just be almost mm-hmm. impossible to ask a kid to do. That made me think of one other thing though. The Kincaid K aspect of this. So when you know, after that first scrimmage, this is classic, just Kiffin knowing how to work the media um, just up and down. I imagine after that first scrimmage, it didn't sound like either quarterback played particularly well. So he gets asked a question about it as always. And he just hypes up Kincaid did. He's like, he had the best day. And one of the things I've never asked you about is that quarterback battle in 15 clearly became you and Chad Kelly, but Devontae Mm -hmm. Kincaid was there as well. Y'all were in the same class, if I'm not mistaken, same age. In theory, like, would it have been the most insane thing in the world if that kid just blew up and beat both y'all out? No, I guess not. But he's not in the picture and in the focus. Kind of the same thing with Kincaid Dent, right? He's not a completely – you know, he's not like Rudy. Like he's not getting a jersey because his parents gave some money. Like that a you know, walk-on or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it like yeah. – I don't know if awkward is the right word. Is it kind of weird having the third guy that like, you know, I guess should technically be in the mix? But as you've outlined, I think we may have talked about this earlier, it's pretty much impossible to run a three-way quarterback battle, kind of like LSU had down for a little bit for mm-hmm. Brennan quit. Like, is it weird having the third guy in the room that no one's talking about and probably isn't the focus, but like, there's no reason on paper he shouldn't be because he's just as inexperienced as the other two guys game wise, if that makes yeah, sense?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, is Kincaid on scholarship?
2: Kincaid, I believe, is on scholarship. I okay. believe.
3: Did, did he come to Ole Miss or was he given like one later or like, like, no, I believe he you know? was a
2: consensus three-star kid that they took in the class okay. as a scholarship. I'm almost positive that's the case. I'll double check and look that okay. up. Um,
3: yeah, it, it, that's it doesn't matter. I mean, like matter now. I'm just right. from Kippen's standpoint. Like, you know, you take because I don't know if he was like gray shirt walk on or something. You, and, like because he was behind these other guys. Walk on is your point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So and sometimes would separate it. I guess like on the roster, but not really competing. But if he is playing good, and he's been there the longest by far. Like. I I mean, I I guess it would be, uh, but at the same time, I guess when Devontae and I were playing, he would just make a horrible, just dumb decision, or we'd be in the film room, and you'd sit there and be like, what is he doing? Like, he's just running around the backfield. Like, all you had to do was step up in the pocket and hit a post curl. Like, and, like, those are simple moves and and movements, but, like, you turn your back and take a loss. Like, you kind of know you do that a couple times. Coach will never say that, but, you know, Chad and I would kind of do that. And then Freeze talked to us, you know – both of us like in a room together at the same time like talking about the first game week and what hey going Alabama I want you to know this and it'll just be us two in meetings but like I mean Kincaid may be with them i I don't know uh, but I was just I one reason to ask that because like you know there's always quarterbacks on the roster that might have come as like you know a walk on position or a gray shirt and then they go to tight end or something else and then like you kind of know your four or five star guys are going to would get the most opportunities to play so i don't know i mean i definitely think he probably showed pretty darn well like he's been there a while and, and he went through stuff all last year but uh I, I have no idea but also it kind of makes sense like you, you know more from a media perspective on how lane is uh yeah. like if he wanted to deflect that's a and wasn't really sure like no one's standing out i would think that's a good way to do it
2: Oh, yeah. No, he did that. He, that was a very skilled me uh, answer. But that was a good answer yeah. by you in the sense that it's just understood. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. talking on the side, mm-hmm. you can kind of see the reads in the room. That's what exactly what I was trying to get at. Like, you know, it's a capable third guy, but who's clearly not in the mix. Like I'm trying to think of an example. I'll never forget this. In 2019, they had a scout team quarterback. I think he's actually still on the roster named Sellers Shy. And I think we were asking Kadir Shepard how they planned on game planning for – some quarterback. It may have been Hurts. Someone that could run. I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah. He goes, he goes, you know, we got our scout team quarterback who does a pretty good job of um, who does a pretty good job of simulating. And we were like, oh, who is it? Uh, he goes, you know, I can't remember his name. I started, <laughs> I started cracking up. Who was your scout team guy? Did y'all have a scout team quarterback back at back in the day? Do you remember who? Yeah. It was? I.
3: Uh. Yeah. So, um, Drew Davis. Oh, um, yeah. Was that, that was, yeah, uh, so, that was Butch Davis's kid, right? But it was Butch Davis's kid. And, um, yeah. So he was, he he ran scout, I think Robert Ratliff, who later became a graduate assistant in, in the quarterback room. And then Drew did scout team there. Um, unfortunately, Drew could not throw a ball more than about 20 yards. So it was, kind. Of, he was a pusher, passer, pusher, <laughs> passer. So he, uh, you know, he, <laughs> I want to really say that, – that one we kind of knew about just doing drills and stuff and throwing certain routes that we could. But, yeah, I think Drew did for us uh, my last two years.
2: Yeah, okay, I was just curious. But that that was kind of the difference between a Devontae Kincaid or a Kincaid Dent than what – you know, like I'm talking about guys like that versus a mm-hmm. scout team guy. I was honestly just curious who the scout team guy was. That's one of my – Kadir Shepard, we didn't get it to talk to him often because – well, one time we talked to him and he dropped the f bomb. The other time he gave away like a crucial part of a game plan, and like he was a media relation guy's nightmare. But it cracked oh me the hell up when we were asking about who the who the scout team guy was, and he just kind of smiled and goes, "I actually don't know his name." Three hours a day. That's funny. That cracked me up, but I was mostly just curious who that was. I now remember Butch Davis's kid being on the roster at this point. Yeah. We'll get back to Ryan Buchanan in just a second. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored and brought to you by BetterHelp. If you ever had trouble focusing, maybe there's a lot on your mind, feeling a little bit of stress, a little bit of anxiety, you need to try BetterHelp. It's a proven online therapy service that can get you hooked up with a therapist in as quick as 48 hours. You can go on video. You can go audio only to where you don't even – or you can go in person. You don't even have to – see someone face-to-face if you don't want to. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life. Therapy is just like anything else. You know, we put gas in our cars, we get our oil change, we get the tires rotated. Your brain's no different. How you treat your brain affects how you go through life. Therapy's are uh, nice. It's kind of nice just talking to somebody, you know, and kind of getting it all out there. It's very laid back, and it's, uh, it's super helpful. You need to try it, betterhelp.com. Check them out. Use the promo code MPW and that'll get you 20% off. Check them out, our friends at BetterHelp. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue, there in Oxford. Go see Greg if you're a Rippy Rights subscriber. That's rippyrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me. Uh, the Friday one drew a lot of new signups. I wrote a little bit about kind of a change Lane Kiffin. I appreciate the feedback on that and uh, all the new signups. So thank you. It's a free newsletter, but it also gets you discounted meats. If you're a subscriber, you get a 16 ounce prime strip from LB's. And a five for twenty bucks and a five dollar pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. Oxford's so lucky to have a meat market like LB's. There's all kinds of delicious stuff and cuts and fresh seafood and sausages. It's grilling season. Weather's eventually going to get cooler. Football's on the television. Go buy LB's and get something incredible to throw on the grill. Tri-tip, filet burgers, whatever the case may be. Go find your own favorites at LB's and enjoy the grilling season. Check them out. LB's University Avenue, there in Oxford. All right, back to Ryan Buchanan. Well, um, before we get out of here, I just kind of wanted to bounce around. We'll do the SEC a little bit. But, you know, we got game week. We got real games that count that coming this week. As a guy who, you know, teaches the quarterback position, kind of studies the art of the quarterback position, are there guys in college that, like, say, just come this weekend, if you had nothing to do and you're sitting on the couch, someone just gave you 18 beers and was like, go to town, man. Are there, is there one or two or whoever guys that you enjoy watching play the position on Saturdays?
3: Um, you know, it's, I hate to give it the, the Bryce Young, but like, I think he's a good example. Oh, that's, of that's a showing. Of yeah, I mean, and, but like, just seeing, watching his call mentality, like he has something in his head that like, I probably didn't have as a freshman, just yeah. a, a, a mental aspect. And maybe that's Saving, you know, how he works his guys to get them to that point, to see how calm they are and see how he can control a situation no matter how bad it gets. And to also hold, you know, say, like, you know, everything's going bad. That's all right. Like, I'm going to play my game. I don't need to lose my temper. I don't need to get down. Like, it's just that guy, man. Like, I, I love to watch how chill he plays. Like, I feel like a quarterback that looks – so relaxed out there are the ones that really really stand out. I mean, Joe Burrow is that way. And of course, Bryce handles himself that way. Um, and and I, I just it's it's weird. I mean, I, when I'm watching quarterbacks, it's it's great to watch a you know athletic play or something like that, and you know scramble out get a four or five yard game for something that might have been a loss. But like also watching like how the position's supposed to be played, like making right decisions, like you know what I mean. Look, all star plays, unbelievable athletic plays, like Mahomes does is awesome. And, but it's also cool. You know, I like to watch and see like, especially the ones that are in a competition or just won a competition, like, are they going to make really bad mistakes? And if they yeah. do, how are they going to handle themselves that next series? Cause they're given one more series and just seeing how they come back and do they freak out? Do they compound what happened the last series or do they settle down and get into it? So that's kind of like the things that I just like watching and try to teach, you know, high school kids, just the mentality over this game. Um, and just how to, how to handle the ups and how to handle the downs and try to keep yourself, play within yourself in a sense, like, um, of not trying to do too much, not trying to do something you know you can't do, but, like, bouncing back. And just watch the mentality of a lot of these guys on opening weekend.
2: Yeah, and one of the things about college football, look, I've never made any bones about it. I love the NFL, um, but it doesn't mean I can't, like, love college football, too. Like, if you gave me the choice, I'm probably going on Sundays. It's just, I don't know, something different about it. I really enjoy NFL football. But one of the aspects of college football that I would say I like more than the NFL is because the defenses aren't quite as fast and aren't quite as athletic and aren't quite as good – it allows for a lot of varieties of quarterback play. And just because that type of quarterback play might not necessarily translate to the NFL. Now the ironic part about it is, is all these NFL offenses are now just implementing college stuff and kind of copycatting off of that, yeah. but that as it may, it allows for a lot more types of quarterbacks and body types and playing styles. And KJ Jefferson's an interesting one to me, you know, that old Miss game mm-hmm. last year, I feel like to that point, everyone and maybe it was a little bit of an old Miss slant because he's a Batesville kid or Sardis or wherever he came from that they didn't end up taking. But I just felt like entering that old Miss game, you heard a lot about what he was not as a passer and what he couldn't do. To where that game when they scored 53 points or 52 points or whatever, whatever it was, and almost won the game. That for me, and maybe I was late to the party, got me to the moment where I was like, well, whatever you keep saying this kid can't do, whatever he's doing is kind of awesome. And the way he plays the position at 230 pounds and that constant running thread and the ability to kind of take hits like that while also still be a pretty damn good passer you know, within the realm of your basic kind of passing concepts for three quarters or four quarters was always impressive to me. Do you admire guys that maybe don't play the position the traditional way? Like obviously you were a pocket passer, right? For the most part, you can make all the reads, Mm -hmm. make different throws, Whereas, like, KJ is just a different breed. Do you admire kind of, like, do you unique guys like that? Or is it kind of harder to see what they see and evaluate them, if that really makes any sense at all?
3: Uh, no, I mean, it's it's really cool to see. I mean, like, I remember Trey Sorley or something, the guy that played at Penn State. Is a little Back up to Lamar. Like that little guy, I mean, fast as anything, like, obviously a different style of play, but, like, it fits in on the Ravens behind Lamar if he's still on the roster. I was watching a preseason game the other day and saw him. And, uh, but yeah, like getting like KJ, who's absolutely locomotive out there. Um, I mean, Arkansas designed that offense. You have a lot of like jet sweeps with him going up the middle, low in her shoulder, a jet sweep with a little swing pass or jet sweep, fake the swing pass, throw, you know, a quick seam. Like, just you don't have it's cool to see them play the game, but like not having to roll out and throw a 15 yard comeback yeah. on the run on the money on the outside shoulder or trying to do. A skinny post right over a linebacker before the other safety comes over like you don't have to make those nfl type or big time pocket passer throws but you can be really really successful in using your talent and coaches see that um and then they put that to work with kj i mean run the ball run it hard small pass small pass all right defense is coming up they may pay, put one more extra guy on the box and then he gets one over the top with a four yard separation of the wide receiver doesn't have to be absolutely perfect but like he slows down a little bit and has separation and catches it like that's a 40-yard bomb like it is really cool to see and it, look that is a good point of watching I mean like Taysom Hill at BYU like yeah obviously still I guess you still call them the quarterback position whatever you want to call them for the Saints but same thing like it's really it's cool to put their talents and let it show on a big stage like a power five college football so it's very fun to see too how underrated, you
2: brought up a great point there, how underrated of an aspect of it is is when you finally have an offensive coordinator or head coach that's calling plays that kind of swallows their pride and tailors an offense around the guy. Because, like, you know, Kendall Bryle's there at Arkansas. I mean, look, he's a pretty creative mind and a lot of different stuff. But, like, you know, I doubt that version of Arkansas's offense was what he ran at his previous stops precisely. Like, how underrated is it to have a, a guy kind of tailor a quarterback around an offensive skill set. Obviously, the greatest example ever of this is Lamar Jackson. They went all yeah. in. And guess what? Whatever you want to say about the playoff stuff, they win a ton of games. They won a ton of games. He won an MVP. It undisputably worked. The Super Bowl debates, whatever. Topic for another day. Uh, go see first take for that one. But my point being versus like a Rich Ward in 2019 was like, we're going to do what we're going to do. And that did not work to the benefit of Corral it worked greatly to the benefit of the Plumlee because he just happened to fit it right. Well, you know, it worked in that moment and corral didn't look as good, but guess what happens two years later, you know, rich rods at ULM he's now at Jacksonville state, but ULM and the guy that he benched is a Heisman contender. Like how, how underrated is it like for a quarterback and how people, the general public evaluate them when you actually have a coordinator that wants to build something to their strengths versus just the system is the system and you better do it type of thing.
3: No, I mean, that's too, it's so underrated. I don't even know how to put it on a scale. I mean, when Joe Brady came down to LSU and put in that offense with those right. guys with Jamar and and, and Jefferson, and then I was Joe, like, look at that. That offense was absolutely unbelievable. And I remember when Rich Rod came to Ole Miss, and I always thought Matt had talent, and I was just shaking my head. It's nothing against John Rice, but I was like, what is the future of this program? We, you're going to win. You're, 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 I mean, you're aiming for just a winning season here. You're trying to go seven and five. Like, it's just, it's not sustainable. And you had talent there that needed to be utilized. Um, You bring in the right coach. And again, Heisman candidate and generational quarterback for Ole Miss that if he stays there, you never hear the name Matt Corral. I mean, he just, if he stays in that offense, I mean, it would keep running with John Rise strictly because of the coach. And you just, I mean, Matt may transfer and may work out. You know what I mean? Like you never really know um so at, it is in two like co- look the head coach decides his coordinators right I mean he's going to get his guys unless it's Matt Luke you know a little different situation but yeah. <laughs> but most of the times you're going to have run your offense whether if you're a defensive guy you can get an offensive guy that you want or if you're like Kiffin may call some head some plays himself and so did Freeze and you got to have a guy that wants to run what you want to run but like they, they're paid to win games. I mean, you're making $600,000 600, or whatever, a million dollars, and maybe more as a coordinator at larger schools, and you got to win. Like, if you can't gear an offense to whatever card that you're dealt with their two quarterbacks on that roster for that season, I mean, you have to sell tickets. It's all a business in the day and, and win, sell. So it is very – it is so underrated how, how important that offensive coordinator is and, and how he's calling and whether that's head coach or coordinator – and putting in something that works, you know, for the team and your assets. I mean, if you have a great running back, you're a fast team, you got fast receivers, fast running back, a really, uh, you know, athletic line that can go fast. Like, you, if you just put the pieces together and call the right plays, I mean, it makes life – it can make an average quarterback look great. It can make a great quarterback look below average. So, that's that's kind of the way I look at it.
2: You just nailed what exactly happened during that 2019 season and probably – I don't want to say one of the most, like, aspects of things that people don't understand because i do think fans get it and fans are smart but maybe you know fans media whoever included don't necessarily understand in the moment because that's exactly what happened in 2019 you're one yeah you're, i mean I, yeah you're preaching yeah, exactly. to the choir here we so i used to, when I, I was first starting a podcast back then and i did every episode with colin brister and while this was going down we were always on the corral train we're like look i get it in the short term this plummy thing yeah and, I was too. yeah and you bust to run the entire like you bust a run it looks cool but like what is this in two years? But the reason it was happening is because Luke felt a ton of pressure to get to a bowl game and win six or seven games with that young team and save his job. And I think he wanted to be kind of more of a run heavy smash mouth football team. And on top of that, he felt that Plumlee was his best chance to get to six or seven wins. But the aspect that you just brought up is what exactly is the future here? What are you building towards? Are you trying to run, I hate to call it gimmicky, but quirky offense to get to six or seven wins and save your job in the short term. Okay, well, then what? What's the next step with a quarterback like Plumlee in the SEC in that type and, of thing? And, play? look,
3: that that may work in the American Conference. It may work exactly. great over there, and I bet it probably will. But oh, Gus is Jordan the guy. But when have Davis lined up. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> if There's a, a guy Davis, that can work towards Gus. Yeah, and, I mean, you just have a guy that the defensive line freaks that you see that look like. You know, 29 year old men out there that played through five years in the NFL or whatever, like that's who you're lining up against at the time. Like, that, that's just what I saw. And it just was like, man, we're just not utilizing everything. So, yeah, I mean, I, I remember not fighting with people. I wasn't like, I'm not hating against Soul Mess over here, but like, well, is it, well I mean, this is, I, we have one great run that's great, but we haven't scored in three possessions. Like, y'all, <laughs> y'all just not frustrated about that.
2: The red zone offense was brutal. You, they get it down in the 20s and they, and they had a bad kicker. So like you couldn't do anything. You're right though. Like you say you didn't get in fights. We didn't get in literal fights, but I would literally have people DM me every time Paul me scored a touchdown. And I'm just like, this is not working. Oh gosh.
3: Yeah. gosh, that's I'm funny. not saying
2: the kid sucks. I'm just saying, this is not the point long-term, but to be completely fair, you just mentioned how long, they, like how much money these guys are paid. They don't have the luxury to look three and four years down the road. Like I don't necessarily blame Luke doing it for the short term, but just watching those two kind of ideals kind of clash and, you know, turn out the way it did kind of predictably, it's just kind of interesting to watch. But, um, but before we kind of get out of here, I just want to run through the quarterbacks in the SEC real quick. We were uh, we ran through it right before we started recording. There are years where I feel like when the quarterback play in the SEC is down and then there's years where you're like, damn, like kind of everybody ha- kind of has a dude. I feel like that's right. more geared toward it. Uh, geared toward the latter this year. I feel like there's a lot of good quarterback plays or at least a lot of quarterbacks that fit said system. I'll run through them real quick and then we'll kind of hit a couple high points, but just to kind of outline what I'm talking about, clearly Bryce Young, Alabama. Will Rogers, Mississippi State, kid that's been in that system for a long time.
3: Will Levin. And I think, and, and look, yeah, like Will, like, I mean, third year in a leech offense, they both got comfortable. They both know what throws he can make, what he can't make. They both know what, what works, what doesn't work. Like, I mean, and it's one thing to be out of school, but it's what, and you just don't play your backup position. It's a completely different thing when you get to play early, man. You go through all these seasons. Like, Will, Will could very well, but as much as they play and, and how stats, I'm not say they're padded, but like, he's going to, um, you know, he'll probably put up some really, really big numbers. And that's just how their offense is too. You know, they play short pass, short pass, short pass, long pass, short pass run. So he'll, he'll have a big year, I think, for sure, being a third year there.
2: You're right in the – so uh, Neil has a guy on his Thursday night show that's a big film guy named Pete DeLeese, and it's really a fascinating listen. And for dudes that don't get, like, the schematics of football like me, it really helped me kind of learn and learn what to watch for. When, Particularly in a leech offense like that, when you're your second and a third year, the timing on those short passes they do almost becomes freakish. Like, the amount of times he puts Especially the when there, they're
3: option routes. Yeah. Like, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have option routes. It sounds kind of crazy. I mean, we had hot routes. We didn't have option routes to where you can go you know you can go fade curl it up you know there's some that are just search routes in college football it's like I'm gonna do a slant half speed and this is in high school too I'm gonna run a pretty much a slant just find a little open area and you both know based off that coverage there's your open area and like that is tough to put in your first year so yeah I mean kudos to them like if state should be pretty hyped up about themselves and I mean expect a lot out of it just because you don't I mean we had our third year guy and Matt didn't even think of Matt like he didn't have two years curling up in the same system. Imagine if he did. It's going to – it would have been so slow to him, so easy for him. And, like, so, yeah, I mean, I. State needs to put a lot of pressure on themselves. <laughs> I feel like they should be expecting a lot.
2: And in an offense like that, when you mentioned you have the option routes, if you don't have that kind of timing and understanding, <laughs> can't you look dumb as hell really quickly? Like if you're oh my not gosh. Thing, he, can, you can he can look, look like, like the
3: dumbest him. quarterback ever. And yeah. look, because you gotta it's all time. you gotta throw it and know that he's gonna be there and you make the right read and go straight to the linebacker. And you're like, what I mean there you, know, you don't hold up a sign to the fans and say that that was not my fault. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Like, so yeah, I mean that that's uh that, that that's huge for their type of offense and it definitely helps. That
2: would actually be a solid move. You know, you guys do have the whiteboard on the sideline, you just sharpie in like <laughs> That's on five. He doesn't really get it. I just, I don't think that (laughs) would be a hilarious move on the sideline. That's on him. Um, to keep it rolling through, will Levis at Kentucky. I gotta be honest. I didn't watch a ton of Kentucky last year beyond, you know, when they were on and Ole Miss wasn't on, he's definitely better than what Kentucky's had at the position before. There's some NFL buzz with Levis. How much have you seen from him? What do you kind of think of him? I know he's got some arm talent that they don't typically have at that position, I just feel like I need to see a little bit more.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've – I mean, shoot, I've I've honestly just watched a couple things that come across on social media of Kentucky football. That's about it. And, and you know, a couple throws that they have talking about quarterback competition on College Football Live, that's to the extent of it. But, man, the dude's got a fluid release. And he looks – he doesn't look like he's stressing out too much of what he's doing. It looks like he's done it before. So, I mean, I I, I think the guy's, you know, probably going to be pretty talented. I mean, I don't – that's not a high school or anything but regardless uh you know look at kentucky if he if he turns out to be what they he's they're supposed to be like we all know kentucky's not the kentucky of the past i mean the, they could really do something on the east here
2: um ken and hooker at tennessee when he got finally got the job last year they look like a much more explosive offense that hypo offense is kind of kiffin on steroids they just go fast 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 the other kid's name is escaping me that he beat out, but it was not the kid that started the year. He's been pretty good. What have you kind of – well, how much have you watched him? What do you know about him?
3: Oh, uh, man, I, w- I really don't know. I mean, I wish I could answer a lot of these, but it's, unfortunately it's going to be what I'm watching on TV on Saturday over the first couple of weeks.
2: Joe Milton was the other one. I forgot the other kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested. Some of these guys are like kind of proven, have some stuff under their belt, but not like, you know, an established guy. Uh, we went through Jefferson – Stetson Bennett just, you know, counting his time until he's the greatest uh, insurance agent in the history of Athens, Georgia. But, damn, what a legend. What a So everyone likes to kind of dump on him. He's got the Georgia name, looks like a frat kid. But, I mean, he made some huge throws in that national title game and, like, was very much more than your typical Georgia, you know, throw the ball 10 yards down the field in a while in the running game. Like, he was actually an asset for them in some of the downfield passing stuff. Just curious what you have thought from watching him play for nine years.
3: Yeah. Uh, going, you know, for, uh, going into his 10th year, I think he, he's really had a lot of, a lot of experience here. And I mean, I look, I, it's never easy. At the end of the day, he's doing this on the largest stage in America. I mean, my, my gosh, almighty um, I know quarterback country and David Morris has trained him since he was in high school and he's, you know, bounced around a lot of different places was down in, you know, Jones uh, junior college in Mississippi for a little bit and had a stint. I just think like, guys that have been around the game of football for that long like no matter what your height size and weight and you have nfl players absolutely stacked around you i mean if they went on routes and you could have a good football and your timings right like you might not have been a that great first or second year but if you put a guy around his fourth year or fifth year in college football or heck even sixth, with nfl guys surrounding you like when he, everyone could throw a, like a fade down the sideline, a 40, 50 yard fade, I know it looks like a really long ball to the stands. It's not that bad. If it's one-on-one and you have an NFL wide receiver, it's a lot harder to throw a seven yard scat route sitting behind a wheel linebacker when you can barely even see him over the offensive line. Like those are tougher to do. I feel like, but Stetson's like, he's done great. I mean, he is, he, he's, he deserves all the credit that he's gotten. Um, and he's smart with the football. Like he needs, he knows how to play the game and how to win games. And that's, that's one of the most important things.
2: Spencer Rattler goes to South Carolina. I literally have no idea what to make of this. He's clearly better than what they had at the quarterback position. South Carolina could have been historically bad last year and they were actually pretty scrappy. They almost made a bowl game. I mean, hell, they started that week one or week two with a graduate assistant that decided to exhaust a final year of eligibility because they needed quarterbacks and he actually played in a game. Like, Clearly, it's an upgrade. I just don't know if I get it. He's kind of a smaller guy, seems to make poor decisions. he got a pretty good arm. I, we'll see. I, I just don't know any – like, I don't even know what that looks like. He's going to look weird in the South Carolina uniform, whatever. Did you see the cock come in? Yeah. I don't know what they're calling their mascot these days. I just got to see it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an opinion.
3: Man, it, look, it looks strange. He, he's, a, he's a gunslinger. Uh, gunslingers belong predominantly in the Big 12 where they don't know how to play defense and you yeah, throw the no. ball every down and you get away with it. I mean, like – and who knows? It may or may not translate to 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 Florida and all these big teams over there in the East and, and Georgia. I mean, I don't know either. God, I, I, I hate always ever coming out saying this guy won't be good. you rather sure. you rather say a guy's going to be really good than not. But, like, if he struggled out there, I feel like when you have – I mean, the big 12 competition now is just not what it used to be. And your bigger schools weren't that strong. Like it's interesting coming to the SEC, man, you know, the game's quicker, the decisions are quicker and it may work out great since he kind of had some time already. It's not like a true freshman, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's no telling what's going to happen.
2: Anthony Richardson at Florida. I, I, I I don't know what to make of him. I feel like I've heard for like two or three years, like, you know, this is the guy watch out. And then I mean, I feel like I heard that about Will Greer, who wasn't bad for what he was, Mm -hmm. Um, the kid, Felipe Franks. And then it's just like, well, you know, you keep saying that, but like, what's the peak of this? I feel like I'd like to see that from him this year. I, I just, I haven't been unimpressed, but based on how people talked about him coming out of high school, based on how people talked about him when Mullen was there, I have not been overwhelmed. I'll put it to you that way.
3: Yeah, the the guy he's been there for a minute, so like you, this has got to be a breakout year to to really make some big time throws, and big time plays, and, and win big games. So yeah, that's a good get, running through Florida's past quarterbacks. You're right; it's like they haven't looked bad. I mean, it's not like they've struggled, or but like you know All nothing. I guess exceptional, big. huge one. Yeah, that, yeah, you're exactly you're exactly right. Man, um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Like uh, that's another one that'll be really fun to you know, watch coming out.
2: They tell, excuse me, uh, LSU is not named one. We don't really know. Uh, the two contrasting styles, right? Max Johnson and uh, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State are not the same type of guy. But like again, Kelly says the team knows, but they're not telling them for a tactical advantage. Mm-hmm. Sunday night when they play FSU, that's a gigantic wait and see. We can have an opinion on him when he watches I and mean, when he actually plays a game. The AM thing, I pulled up an article from the spring. They said it was a quarterback battle between Haynes King and Max Johnson. And I guess I get it. King didn't really play last year, right? He snaps an ankle like five quarters into the year and doesn't come back, and it becomes Calzada's team. Not that Max Johnson's bad, but just from what you heard about King, coach's kid, really talented. I never viewed this as a huge competition, I guess. Doesn't that feel like it also a wait and see? I don't know anything about Haynes King. You saw him play. Yeah. Back. I
3: mean, I think I saw his watch, just watch. I think he has some wheels on him. I mean, from yeah. I may be wrong. That's basically why he won the job over wheels.
2: Calzada. You're right.
3: Yeah, and I, I was watching some highlights of you know, him. It might have been through some games last year or maybe it was a spring game or something. And Like, the dude can run. So, like, coaches love having that aspect when things break down and having guys make a play out of nothing when they screwed up up top. So, like, you know, I, I, you'll wait and see, but can't come out and throw three interceptions. So, you just got to see. I uh, Probably my
2: favorite one is we only have, like, two left. Brady Cook at Missouri. We went through this right before we started recording. We kind of looked at each, for each other for a second and we're like, who? You <laughs> told me this guy was an intern on Wall Street. I'd be like, yeah, that that's cool. <laughs> that Is that where they met him. Is that where they found him? <laughs> Do you have an in-depth analysis on Mr. Brady Cook? Because uh, I didn't know he played football, actually.
3: Yeah, I mean – my, my analysis, that is a great American name. Uh, he I does. that's that great for the heart of America over there in Missouri. Uh, I think he'll do great things for the SEC school that no one gives a crap about.
2: He's going to throw four touchdowns tomorrow night against La Tech, and I'm just going to feel like an idiot. But I don't know anything about <laughs> him. I don't remember him as a recruit. We'll probably have someone email me and DM me and be like, oh, you don't remember this guy? I'm like, no, I don't. So thank you for your input on this show. Um, <laughs> <the> <laughs> last couple years, obviously the Ole Miss one. <laughs> We've got Calzada and TJ Finley. Calzada transfers from AM to Auburn um, after it became clear he was not going to retain the job. He just wasn't good. I hate to be an asshole about it. He managed the ship pretty well after not winning the job. But that kid was really inaccurate. He was super unimpressive. You know, a and might have won that Ole Miss game in Oxford. They had a real quarterback. But Ole Miss was getting some pressure, and that kid just couldn't hit open receivers. And so this was technically a competition. Finley's named the starter against Mercer – Finley's an interesting guy. LSU kid, comes back for the Iron Bowl, wasn't great, but nearly wins it. A big kid that's apparently lost some weight. Wasn't he a freak in high school? Do you remember T.J. Finley in high school at all? I, I remember him being a huge name.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I, he's one of those like genetic guys that are huge names. I remember, it reminds me, I mean, I'm just saying out of high school, uh, remember Jeremy Johnson, he was 2013 class, he yeah. signed. I was actually going to Auburn and was telling – because I really liked Auburn. And then I knew they were recruiting him, and I didn't decide I want to take other visits. And then, like, once he signed with him, I was like, well, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and then he ends up throwing first game. Like, he was Cam Newton, he was man. two point oh, Man, I mean, it was so much hype saying this is Cam Newton. And anyway, it's like I didn't go there because of that. And then look what ends up happening. Dude was terrible.
2: It's almost like the science of quarterback is kind of an imperfect thing. You don't know how these 18, 19-year-old kids that turn out. You're, that's a great comparison because you're right. That kid really was built as the second coming of Ken Newton, and not to be cruel to the kid, but you mentioned he's such a big name out of high school, you mentioned not going to uh, Auburn kind of partially because of it, and, you know – Talk about an all-time bust if you can have that in college, or that he just he just awful. But you mentioned T.J. Finley listed out of high school or his freshman year six six two forty six. That's not, just a
3: Jeremy. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's not your
2: typical SEC quarterback. That's a uh, hoss. He says he's lost some weight, added a little bit of muscle. I don't know how the science on that works, but wait and see. I don't know. He's still a young kid, right? He transferred from LSU yeah. to his freshman year. Hasn't really been given the keys to anything unfortunately for him that's a that's going to be a weird situation at auburn this year with harson and the ad leaving oh yeah that just feels like like almost the fan base not fan base but the dysfunctional family that is auburn is uh rooting for you to fail that's a good question when you're <laughs> auburn so from being on the media side of it and trying to kind of figure out the ins and outs of some of these programs it's abundantly clear now and it's become public in the last couple of years because of the fiasco that hiring Arson and then that, you know, drama about them trying to get him fired after a year when you're a recruit, I know everyone tries to put their best foot forward. Could you tell it all what a shit show the Auburn booster culture was, or is that not something you see as a recruit?
3: Absolutely. No idea. The only shit show I would say that I saw was when my dad and I took a visit to Arkansas when Bobby Petrino was there and I was meeting with That's them at 9 a.m. the next morning and they hired me and then we saw like some cameras outside the stadium like a newscast or something and we got back to the Hampton Inn on the bottom of ESPN saying Bobby Petrino's on the back of a motorcycle with a mistress and had an injury and his brother was offensive coordinator and texted text us the next morning, guys, everything's okay. Um, I'll, I'll be, we'll be I'll be taking Bobby's place and talking in the morning.
2: That is an incredible story. You're kidding me. So the day of Motorcycle Gate, you were taking a visit, and then you turn on the TV.
3: and that's- Yeah, and they had their spring game, and they were number three in the country with Tyler Wilson at the time. Oh, like, they, was, were, they, they, were- they were
1: a good program. Weren't
3: they like, off the Sugar Bowl? I think so, yes. And I was like, well, uh, I, don't, I mean, this is a little weird. I don't think this coach would be here much longer. Uh, that's about it.
2: And remember how bad that yeah. got. They ended up hiring that poor old man John L. Smith, who kind of came back into coaching. And it was discovered, like a couple games in, is that he'd had some really terrible real estate investments and, like, actually like needed the money. Like, <laughs> it was like, oh, he's doing a good deed, helping out these kids. Like, actually, this guy's living check to check here. Like, this is this is not a crazy situation <laughs> for our guy. That's a wild story. I didn't know that. It's crazy how timelines overlap like that. You have you heard the conspiracy theory on the Petrino thing?
3: That's, no, I haven't.
2: That there was no – and I don't know this to be true. This is just nice message board fodder. There, the conspiracy is that there was no motorcycle accident. The other dude, boyfriend, husband, caught him and just whipped his ass, just beat the hell out Could of him. Could have
1: been. That makes total sense. Like
3: when Dustin Johnson fell down the stairs at, at the Masters.
2: Exactly. Like, you know, if you're wearing a helmet, why is your face so bruised? You need a neck brace. Like I, That doesn't look <laughs> like a motorcycle injury, but I haven't hopped on a Harley, well, ever um that's all the quarterbacks what an incredible story to end it he is Ryan Buchanan former Ole Miss quarterback MIS legend this is fun dude I can't wait to uh do this next week when we actually have some uh games to talk about
3: yep that'll be fun
2: take it easy dude all right that's our show if you made it to the end I really appreciate you making us a part of your day um We will be back on Friday with uh, Fresh Cuts. we got LB's Greg's making the picks. Then I've got another edition of the Nick Broker Show to get you ready for game week. I'm ready for football. I know all you guys are ready for football. And uh, I'm glad it's back and kind of glad to be back in the swing of things. Got some uh, nice writing done this week, getting settled in here in Oxford. So uh, great time of the year. Thanks for uh, making this podcast a part of your day. I really appreciate the feedback as always and enjoy the hell out of doing it. Y'all have a uh, great Thursday and uh, check back in with us tomorrow for Fresh Cuts.
1: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling 3-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member.